Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. We are by this statement requesting the party to withdraw these changes with immediate effect. These two honorable members are institutions within the party. More reactions meet NDC's massive shakeup in the leadership of parliament on the minority side. We'll hear from Muntaka Mubarak's Asuasi constituency. Also coming up, government officials in Sene East District of the Bono East region begin investigations into the drowning of eight school pupils on the Volta Lake. And later on Eyewitness News. The health of the people in the country is paramount. And 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 all these things, I mean, to add ins- I mean, uh, salt to injury, this has also swallowed some part of the COVID man And so, the minority side in parliament that is unhappy and continually fighting the government over the failed or what he describes as failed and abandoned projects under the Agenda One 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 project. Stay with 97.3 CTF for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... The Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry laments negative impact of a possible upward adjustment of tariffs on their businesses. That's in 50 minutes from the business desk of CTFM and CDTV. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations and across the globe we are on City Newsroom. Dot com. We are also live on Facebook where you can uh, watch what's happening in the studio and drop your messages for the world to hear what you think. Our affiliates across Ghana include Tungsung 97.3 FM in Wa in the Upper West Regional Capital as well as Jirapa FM 96.1. If you go to the Upper East Region, we are on Quality 88.7 FM in Garu. And we are in the northern region on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM. If you go to the Volta region, we are on VOV Radio 95.7 FM in Hohoe and Revival 99.3 FM in Tajevu. In the Ashanti region, we are on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi, Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In the Bono region, on Grina 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the western region, we are on Adrinpa 100.7 FM in Takwa, Sky Power 93.5 FM in Takradi and Beach 105.5 FM, also in Takradi. This is Eyewitness News, broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Let's start off with the reshuffle that was announced by the NDC yesterday, which reshuffle saw the Honorable Mohamed Muntaka Mubarak of Asuasi, who is the chief whip, being removed, and the Honorable Harun Idrisu of Tamale South, who was a minority leader, being removed, as well as James Kluchaveji, who was Deputy majority, Minority Leader, also being removed. And all three were replaced yesterday by the NDC. We brought you sound bites from the Honorable Harun Edrisu's constituency of Tamale South yesterday. Tonight is the turn 
of constituents of Aswasi where the Honorable Muntaka Muhammad Mubarak is there are unhappy. Let's hear them. Nashika. Some NDC supporters and executives in the Aswasi constituency are calling on the national leadership of the party to, as a matter of urgency, reverse its decision of replacing the minority leader and the minority chief whip in parliament. We'll hear the sound by shortly, but let me introduce the Ningo Pram Pram member of parliament, Samuel Nati George. He's joining us on the line. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you. Yesterday on Eyewitness News, I spoke to two NDC members of Parliament. They were all unhappy with the turn of events. We've also spoken for, to constituents in Tamale South. They were unhappy. Tonight we have constituents of Aswasi. I just want you to listen briefly, and then I'll ask you as a member of Parliament, 24 hours on, whether your block uh, now has a proper heading on these matters or the block is still divided. Please stay with us and listen to that if you don't mind. Very well. Okay. We woke up yesterday to the news of a reshuffle in parliament to the effect that our member of parliament in the person of Honorable Muntaka Mohamed Mubarak, who doubles as the minority chief whip, and the member of parliament for Tamale South, Honorable Haruna Idrisu, who also doubles as the minority chief whip of Ghana's eighth parliament has been reshuffled. Ladies and gentlemen of the press, we are yet to come to terms with the news as to whether or not such decision is taken by the Functional Executive Committee of which both Haruna Idrisu and Honorable Muntaka Mubarak are members. Whether or not the Council of Elders of their party were consulted whether or not the entire minority members of the parliament of our party were consulted. In as far as these questions remain unanswered, we are compelled to come to the conclusion that the action is undemocratic. That's uh, actually Mugis Madi. He's the Aswasi constituency secretary of the NDC in the Ashanti region. Honorable someone Nati George, it seems that the centre is refusing to hold in your party from members of parliament through uh, constituency executives. All of these say that they, they are not happy with the actions of your national party leadership. What, what is the problem? Good evening to your listeners and good evening to you, Omar. Um, the centre is holding. The centre is holding. Um, it's, it's to be expected that giving... The news that broke yesterday, there will be this reaction. But let me be quick to to express my appreciation or my respect, respect is the word, for the Honorable Haruna Idrisu and the Honorable Muntaka Mubarak especially, who have managed the reactions from their constituencies. Because the reaction from Tamale and the reaction from Atawasi could have been a lot more explosive than it has it has been, and um, I think that they have played a role in managing the calls. We, some of us who don't even come from there, have received calls, and we've had to say, "Calm down, the party's taking a, a position. We're going to see how it goes, and we would we would we would come out stronger." So I, I'm excited that calm heads are beginning to. Um, prevail, and we can then proceed to look at the 
substantive issues properly and, 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 and have a conversation around them. Yesterday when I spoke to your colleagues, a lot of them said they were not aware of this decision by the party. Were you consulted at the personal level? Absolutely not. Who am I? <laughs> you are the Jata from Ningo Pram Pram. <laughs> no. And, 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 and Omar, let me be quick to add that that is actually, for me, the crux of this conversation or the crux of this whole issue that we're dealing with. The fact that there are two things here, consultation and engagement. I, I have heard people from the national executive from Adabraka, I've heard Adabraka say that they carried out consultations, they mentioned names of people who they consulted and all of that. But we are the individuals who are being affected by the decisions that Adabraka has taken. Were we engaged? Absolutely not. The issues here border on what engagement happened with Parliament, the institution itself that will be affected by these decisions that were being taken. And that, for me, is where I believe that as a political party, we must begin to think hard and, 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 and very seriously about. I remember in 2021, when this parliament convened, there was an attempt to change leadership, and issues like this happened. But in that instance, there was consultation and engagement with the caucus. And... Based on the engagement, people were 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 able to speak, spill their split their veins, their, 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 their spleen, and and state what their position was, and everybody was heard, and there was a consensus position. At that instance, we agreed as a caucus with the national executives over time that we needed to codify the processes for the election or selection of minority leadership. Because, yes, I agree with anyone who says that there is nowhere in our Constitution that it says that MPs have to be consulted. But there is nowhere in our Constitution to where it says national executives will choose a leader for the minority caucus or for the parliamentary wing. Your, 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 your Constitution does not say that? It doesn't say that. Show me where in the Constitution it says that national executives will choose. No. The Constitution is silent on the election or selection of leaders. So it's convention that has been used. If convention is becoming problematic then I think that this is a watershed moment for us where, as a party, we have the opportunity to codify the processes. But why is convention becoming a problem for the first time now? Well, because um, this is this parliament is special. This is parliament. It's fine margins in this parliament. And you have an instance where the change is, is heavy. You're having a change. 60% of our leadership is being changed. And whether you like it or not, Muntaka Mubarak, I think, is the longest serving whip in the history of Ghana's parliament. 11 years. That's no joke. 11 years is a long time. And so his roots are deep in the caucus. Haruna Idrisu is an institution. Okay? James Kuchaveji, former finance chair, currently public accounts chair, they have deep roots. You need to, I mean, a lot of people don't seem to be talking about Honorable Abedji because he's announced that he's not returning to the House. But when you have Haruna and Muntaka, these are, these are not, these are not just mean people. However, nobody is untouchable in our party. That's another point you must quickly make. But 
all I hear anyone who has an issue raising is engagement. And I think that our national executives must accept and admit that, yes, they may think that they have done consultations, but they needed to engage the parliamentary caucus. And that's why, for me, I think that we need to resolve this matter within the next 24 to 48 hours. By what? having what? a sit-down between the parliamentary caucus and Adabaka to listen to what members of parliament have to say. Members of parliament will always have our opinion. We had our opinions in 2017 when I was there. The last one was on the 4th of January 2021. We had our opinion. Adabaka had this position and opinion. Those opinions and counter-opinions were espoused. But by, by the dint of engagement, a consensus position emerged. What you need for anyone who is leading the caucus is legitimacy. And legitimacy comes from consensus that members of parliament have agreed that someone who came to the house just the way any of the 137 of us came should become a leader. Because don't forget, Nobody had a special election to become a leader. We all had the same election. Some even had more votes than others. And so the point you make here is, it is the consensus of everyone involved. Be it extended leadership, regional caucus leadership, or some kind of engagement, or the caucus as a whole, to have a conversation and say, this is our position. I mean, the pain I hear from my colleagues, and even from myself, is that as a member of parliament, I heard of this reshuffle thanks to a phone call from a radio station. Umaru, you called me, asking me about it. You understand me? And no, that, that, was, that was the first time you heard about it. Absolutely. But the explanation is that if you are going to reshuffle, you have to shock the system. If you want to go and do consultations before reshuffling, you may end up failing to reshuffle since 2022 to 2023, like I, it's happening I, somewhere. I, I have heard that, that argument, and it, it is a very logical argument to make, but it is not politically expedient, respectfully. Why do I say so? We are not saying that don't shock the system. Shock the system with the system. So call a meeting of the caucus. Meet with the caucus and break the news to the caucus. The caucus should not hear it on radio. I don't know if you get the point. It is about the engagement. Umaru, this reaction you are seeing would have been better managed if the MP's caucus was called, as we normally have meetings with our party executives, and the national chairman and general secretary meet us and say, this is a decision that has been arrived at based on consultations with the various stakeholders. Members will ask questions. Members will challenge it. You would defend it to members. And ultimately, we would reach an agreement as members of the NDC and as a caucus. Then when it breaks in the media, and Umaru calls Nilante like you did yesterday, Nilante would not tell you he was not aware of it and that it was a fake letter, only for you to confirm for him that, oh, this is the case. Or some judge will not hear it in the media, or like all my colleagues in the media. It is the shock factor of hearing it in the media and asking yourself, am I part of the system? And look, and that's what I'm saying, where we stand now, this has to be resolved in the next 24 to 48 hours. We have a council of elders, we've got, we've got the structures of the party, they need to find a way to bring Adabraka 
and the parliamentary caucus together. It is not about reversing of a decision or upholding of a decision. Because if you, if you listen carefully, nobody has questioned the ability or capacity of any of the two sets of leadership, the outgoing or the incoming or the proposed or substantive uh, current leadership. Nobody has questioned their ability to lead. Nobody has questioned Atu Forsen's ability to lead or Kwame Abuja's ability to whip. Nobody has done that. The problem people have has been the modus of the method of announcement and the lack of engagement. We must strike a middle ground as a party and move forward. Because, Umaru, it breaks my heart that you have called me and we are spending the first 30 minutes of your prime time news discussing a change in the NDC's leadership. At a time when Ghanaians are reeling and do not know what is the state of their individual bonds under a debt exchange program, we are discussing this at a time less than 48 hours after we've been shocked by the kinds of revelations we've seen in the Auditor General Special Audit on COVID-19 expenditure, an audit that this same minority demanded for and this same incompetent and insensitive government ran away from. And because they are going for an IMF program, the IMF has made it a condition for a program. They've done the audit. Look at the mess. That is what we should be discussing. But because we may not have been minded about the political time, the conversation now is about our front bench. We, then people will also most likely be changing their front bench. When President Akufado comes back, he self notice that he'll be meeting with the party and parliamentary leadership. They'll most likely also change their front bench. People won't care about it. They care about the NDC because they see us as an alternative, an alternative to the colossal mess, an alternative to the desperation in the system. And that is why, as a member of parliament, we have to lose sight of the fact that we're a government in waiting and that Ghanaians take us very seriously two years to an election where they are poised to vote overwhelmingly for our presumptive flag bearer, John Dramani Mahama. And we must be seen to carry all of our institutions together. Along this process. Your national executives have failed you in this instance, you believe. Does it then mean that your new leaders in parliament do not have the legitimacy because you guys do not support them as yet? It is not a question of whether they have legitimacy or not. It is a question of carrying people along. I know that they are making the the proposed people, everybody is reaching out to everybody, everybody is talking to everybody. I mean, Members of parliament are talking amongst ourselves. Today I swung by parliament, met a few of my colleagues. I mean, we are talking in these patches. That is not what fixes the problem. Whichever way, on the 7th of February when parliament reconvenes, we will need to have five people sitting in front of us and providing leadership. Whether it is the forcing led group or the Haruna-led group, they all need a certain kind of legitimacy. Ah, you think that if today we just say, oh, by wave of a one, because there's agitation, reinstate Haruna and his team. You think that that is going to bring unity in the caucus? Atu Fosin is, is a leader of a regional caucus, the central regional caucus. He's a finance committee chair. He's got deep roots. Amabua is, is a leader of the Western caucus. He's also a, a ranking member. Deep roots. Kwame Abuja is a ranking member and a leading mem- a member of the Bank Bank. He's got deep roots. So you cannot just wish it away and say, oh, reinstate the status quo and think that then everybody will go along. 
You can also not just say that I'm proceeding because I have given a directive. It's a fiat. And so Harun as an institution, five-term member of parliament, will not have people who will side with him. Or Muntaka, who's been there, longer seven weeks, will not have people supporting him and feeling aggrieved. So what you need to do is to bring everybody together, sit down, and show leadership. And that leadership is by having that engagement and saying, look, we took this decision. Yes, we may not have done, gotten it 100% right, but this is the party's position. We're all party boys. And make sure you manage everybody because you need every single person. Muntaka brings a certain leverage from the Shanti region for the NDC. Aruna is synonymous with Tamale. You can't run away from this fact. Mm-hmm. Are you forcing as caucus leader move us from four seats to 13 seats in the central region? You cannot discount what they do. Uh, doesn't only hold Elembele, but west in the western region and even parts of the western north. You cannot discount that. Amir Abuja is an institution in parliament itself. So what you have right now is a team of Galacticos and a coach who can only field five, but has ten superstars. How do you manage it? You have to explain to the, the person who is going to be on the bench why he has to be on the bench and why somebody has to be. Falls on the court to show leadership. And here is my call to our national chairman, our general secretary, and our council of elders. I have absolute trust in their ability. I, I mean, I, I have no doubt people people have called me a Haruna boy, people have called me and I say you get your boy. I don't care what you call me. Are you though? Are you, are you though? Sorry? Are you? I am always loyal to my leadership in party, in the party. Okay. And so, and so, yes, when you call me Haruna or Muntaka boy, absolutely, I will not run away from it. When the party takes a decision and the dust settles and we decide who leads us, you would end up calling me that person's boy as well because I would serve that person, not because of that person, but because of the party. Today, I said, Ketia leads our party. I will not question his authority, but I will call him to think about the collective and ensure, I campaigned openly for General Asedun Ketia in the last election. It's not a secret. I campaigned for him. It's not a secret. So these are people I, 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 I campaign for and I support. But I think that right now, they need to show a certain level of leadership. Very well. To say that the caucus in parliament, look, Omaru, last point I'll make, even senior high schools, the headmaster no longer sits in his office and appoints head boy. An election is held. Manifestos are read. This is a caucus of members of parliament who are elected to serve and represent their people. In Adapakistan, have taken the decision. They say they have consulted. We hear. Engage the caucus. Engage our council of elders. Engage us. Bring whoever and wherever to one room and let us sit down and fashion the way out. 48 hours maximum. We need to come back to the rot. The fact that people, people paid for over 15 million Ghana cities, Umaru, mm. for, 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 for life, life insurance policy, when there was no policy document. The fact that someone went and leased uncompleted buildings for 15 million Ghana cities in Adaklu as a COVID isolation center. Even China, where COVID started, they didn't build isolation center for 25 years. We went and leased it and paid money up front for 4 million Ghana cities for no work done. Very Equipment well. were bought in hundreds of thousands of dollars and handed over to people uh, and supposed to go to hospitals that never got there. 
This is the rot we must be focusing on. This is the reason why we are in a mess now and poor pensioners are being told that they have to go to 2052 for their pensions to be restored to them. This is what we must be focusing on as a country. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. That's Honorable Samuel Nate George, NDC MP for Ningo Pram Pram. I'm looking at the news portals. A lot of them are reporting, including social media, that um, as many as, what, 48 NDC MPs have petitioned NEC, that's the National Executive Committee, over Haruna Idrisu Averji Muntaka's removal. Now, we are told that this petition is signed by backbenchers of the party in parliament. I'm going to speak to one of the backbenchers. The honorable member of parliament for Buem is Kofi Adams, and he's joined me on the line. Honorable Kofi Adams, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Sander. Are you one of the 48 who signed and said that the removal be, or the, 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 what the reshuffle should be cancelled? Uh, good evening, Sander. Uh, I'm a member of parliament for WIM and representing also a political party, NDC. I'm very much aware of how leadership is put together in Ghana's parliament because I've been a national officer for a very long time. I will not sign a petition asking leadership to do such a thing. If I have any concerns, I have how I will engage. And so I am not one of those who have put a signature such a document. But are you aware that there's any such document floating around? Well, I've, like you, I've also heard that there's a document uh, like that, that some persons uh, place their signatures on or they are writing their needs to petition. But I think that we haven't gotten to a point where this should happen. And it's very clear that we must have some understanding. Omar, when we were going for research, the majority, deputy majority leader gave indication that parliament was to return on the 24th of uh, January. Mr. Speaker raised some concern that the authority of calling parliament is his and that he will not take kindly to uh, leadership uh, fixing or proposing this for uh, parliament returning from races. If I tell you that yesterday, 24th, a number of MPs came to Parliament thinking that Parliament was to resume yesterday, would you believe it? At least I encountered two. The Honorable MP for Amenfi Central and Honorable MP for Central Franklin. They came to Parliament with the understanding that Parliament was returning yesterday. Now ask yourself, why would you think the party leadership in wanting to do the reshuffle that they did, will time it yesterday because there could be some assumptions also. Just like MPs came to Parliament again yesterday was the day they were expected to return. Party leadership would also be working with the understanding that yesterday Parliament will return and there will be that opportunity for an engagement. Unfortunately, Parliament did not return. Letters had moved out that thing yesterday. And you guys in the media... You have a way of intercepting your information and documents. So you intercept it, you put it out there. There's a need for engagement. That that discussion is out there. 
That is why, as MPs, we must have a way of handling this situation so we don't create problems out of where there should be no problem. Clearly, clearly, our national constitution, if you look at Article 110, recognizes that Parliament itself will have what they call standing orders, the standing orders of Parliament, and that uh, 11011 is subject to the provision of this constitution. Parliament may, by standing orders, regulate its own procedure. When you come to the standing orders as we have it now, which was approved in the year 2000, you, you get to the preamble side of the standing orders, Order 7 talks about interpretation. Order 7 deals with interpretation of certain terms or ways that are used commonly in parliament. If you look at who a minority or majority leader is, the standing orders define or interpret who a majority leader or minority leader is. In this case, let me deal with minority leader. Minority leader means a member of parliament designated by the party. He says, a member of parliament designated by the party or party and or members forming the minority as they are recognized. Omar, simple understanding is that if you take the words in the order that they appear, our own standing orders that we develop as parliament, recognize that it is the party that designates or the parties, if they are in alliance, they designate. It is only when they fail or they don't act, then the members forming the minority can now recognize somebody. But if when the party acts, the members forming the minority will have to accept the action of the party. I've been in the party and I've known how over the years we have done this process. I agree that you need to consult those who are coming in. You need to inform those who are exiting at least sometime enough before the public announcement. If those things did not happen, then uh, we have something to deal with. But I'm told they, they happen. My checks indicate that it has happened. Now these have come. What we need to be doing is to see how we will manage the situation. Like I heard the tail part of uh, Honorable Sam Joe's uh, presentation. The three new persons coming in are persons of also high standing. They are no mean persons. I hear one of our senior colleagues say that this is not the time to make uh, any uh, non-entity non an entity. None of this is a non-entity. These are very, all of them are ranking members. Some of them have been ministers or deputy ministers before. And so to be a ranking member, to be, it's like a shadow minister. To be a minister before and to be a deputy minister, what again do you need? Some of them, they are in their fourth terms, some are in their third terms. In parliament, after one term, you would have mastered most of the processes. Adding a second term and in your third term, there's nothing more to actually learn again unless you are not serious about your parliamentary business. So none of these persons coming in are coming in as non-entities. Non so if any one of us uh, wants to describe any colleague that way, I, I think that we, we may not be too happy about 
what has happened. He says we must be measured with the words that uh, we we use, both on our colleagues or to describe the process that have happened and to engage the party leadership. I am very much convinced that that engagement will surely happen. And so we need to take our time. We shouldn't rush and crash. We need to take our time. Surely we will not have these processes end without the party leadership, the chairman and the general secretary, as has always been the case, coming to engage. Sometimes the national organizer and the communication officers will come along. When I was there, there were instances where, as organizer, I, I joined the engagement. There were instances where, as uh, 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 deputy general secretary, I have joined engagement with, with, with parliament. So let's, let's, let's wait and see. And let's not make it as if the uh, party leadership has no intentions of engagement. Indeed, we recognize that our wing, parliamentary wing or, or group, is an organ of the party. Our party constitution recognizes that. Article 10.1c of our party constitution recognizes that the parliamentary group is an organ of the party. Just like the way we have the youth wing, the women's wing, we have the parliamentary group, we have the Zongo Caucus, we have the foreign chapters, and we have any other group that the National Congress will recognize, like we did recently with Pro Forum, they have become kind of like an affiliate of the party, and they come under the rules of the party. The only problem here is that in the case of parliamentary groups, we have not developed any regulation to govern our process, and so it remains the party always deciding. What is novel about what is happening now is that this is the first time a political party is changing its minority leader. That has not happened before, both for NDP and NPP. Uh, from 93 to 97, the minority leader served the full term. From 97 to 2001, late J.H. Mensah served his full term. From 2001 to 2009, Honorable, right Honorable Speaker then, Honorable Alban Suman, King served two terms as minority leader. Uh, Honorable Chairman Sabutu, from 2009 to 2017, also served two terms as minority leader. This is the first time we have had to change the minority leader. And because when you are a minority, you are basically not in government. So when you are changing such a leader, you are not moving him to any place. So it becomes news. Majority leaders have been changed, and it really never created so much news out there because they are being moved from that leadership to possibly another leadership point. It has happened both under MPP and NDC in terms of majority. It has never happened with minority. This is the first time it's happened. And you do not have any place to send such a colossus to. You're moving him from the front line as leader, then into the, the house as just a member. That's also where some challenges come in. But all this has to be managed and manage in a way that the party will be able to uh, uh, succeed. I believe that it was for good reason, it was for good strategy that what was done has to be done. Okay. If there isn't any such meeting till 7th February, because uh, your general secretary said to me yesterday that the decision is not going to be reversed, if no meeting is held with the caucus, like your colleague Sam George, for instance, is demanding, on 7th February... What do you think is going to be happening in the chamber? 
when your members arrive and you have the front being occupied by Kesela 214 and the other members who have been named, do you think there's going to be a revolt? If there's a revolt, what is what's going to be the consequence? What can the party do? Well, I am Omar, I'm very sure that one, a meeting will surely happen. Two, our leader, the Honorable Harun who led leadership, knows that the party twenty seventeen for them to be in leadership. If the party decides what it is that they have decided now, there is one person that will make sure that he will never disobey or disregard a party's decision. I know about that. I know many persons. Look, anytime Honorable Haruna engages, he tells us that, look, for him, nothing influences him. If he's moving around, he's moving with his white cloth because he doesn't know where he'll be called. When he's called by the maker, that's all that is needed for him to be buried. So he's someone who uh, uh, organizes his life and knows that God determines everything that what happens the next moment in your life. If that's the decision, I believe that he is prepared to live to live it. Once nobody is making any allegation against him that he did something wrong, he he he, he did something against the party or against the constitution of this country. That is why such a decision is being taken. But it's just a strategic decision to, pre- to position the party in a way to make sure that we win the elections that we are all aiming to win. Ghanaians are yearning for us to come so we can save them from this maladministration and distractions that they are suffering. He will abide. And yeah. I believe that we will get there and we will cross it. But surely, I know meetings will happen. Not just a meeting. Thank you so much uh, for speaking to us. As Renomo Kofi Adams is MP for Buem. Let me conclude for you the soundbite from Mugiz Madi, who is Aswasi Constituency Secretary of the NDC in the Ashanti region. Uh, he was making some demands. We'll hear uh, from him. Take a break and come back with more. Please stay. As it lacks proper and wider consultation, it is also against the rules of natural justice as both parties ought to have been informed before a decision before the decision uh, is taken. It is also biased against Nordness and the Zongus and the Zongo people, as the current reshuffle seems to omit the name of those representing these two people, which are the Nordness and the Zongus. We all know the contribution of the Zongus and the Nordness as far as the fortunes of the party is concerned since its inception in 1992. We all know both the Nordin and the Zongo has been one of the voter basket of the party till date. Why couldn't the leadership wait for the presumptive leader of the party, His Excellency John Dramani Mahama, to be elected and be consulted before a major decision as such is to be taken? The action, if not corrected, could disturb our fortunes in the 2024 general election. Ladies and gentlemen, we all know the hard work, determination, and dedication of both Honorable Mohammed Mubarak Muntaka, the member of parliament for the good people of Asawasi constituency, and Honorable Haruna Idrisi, the member of parliament for the good people of Tamale South, to our dear party, especially in the 7th and 8th Parliament of Ghana. It is this evident hard work and tactful strategies of Honorable Muntaka and Honorable Haruna Idrisu that gave us retired Honorable Alban Kingsford Sumani Babin as Ghana's Speaker of the 8th Parliament 
an enviable achievement which even the national leadership of the party doubted. We are by this statement requesting the party to withdraw these changes with immediate effect. Honorable members are institutions within the party and for that matter need to be treated this way. That's Mugiz Madi, he's Aswasi Constituent Secretary of the NDC in the Ashanti region, one of uh, many voices opposed to the decision of the National Democratic Congress to change uh, its leadership um, in parliament. But there are other voices that are supporting the decision of the party. Nashika has that. Supporters of the National Democratic Congress in the Elembele constituency of the Western Region have hailed the appointment of their Member of Parliament, Emmanuel Amakufibwa, as the Deputy Minority Leader of Parliament. The party supporters have described the move as unprecedented and a good omen that would favour them in the next elections. They add that the appointment was appropriate as he is committed to the party and region. As the added goes, he who clowns were equally deserved pushes. Uh, our hard-working MP, Honorable Imanama Kofibwa, have done a lot for the party uh, in Alembele and then the region as well, which is Western region. You see, when I heard the news that he has been promoted with this portfolio, that is the deputy minority leader, I wasn't all that surprised. It will even drink more people to the NDC in Alembele, more specifically the float voters. It was a great joy. In fact, uh, when you move to the grassroots and you listen to what a lot of them have been uh, expressing in terms of joy, it equally tells you very well that indeed uh, we all abreast uh, this good news. We are very much happy that today we have had our own. And indeed, it is first of its kind first time in the history of the region. Those were some supporters of the National Democratic Congress in the Elembele constituency of the Western Region. and the Central Region, leadership of the NDC in the Ijumaku Inyani Siem constituency says the appointment of their MP Kesel Atu Forsen as the minority leader is a step in the right direction. The communication officer, Gahalad Alex Anders, says Atu Forsen has what it takes to lead the NDC to victory with his appointment as the minority leader of Ghana's parliament. He has actually been appointed to hold certain positions in the country and looking at how he excelled, we are too sure that this one will be more excellent than the ones he has already had. Okay, let's look at the impact it's going to have in the constituency. Actually, now that he doesn't hold any significant position in parliament, we are feeling his impact in the constituency. So now that he's a minority leader, I think his performance is going to be higher than the ones we have actually experienced as a party in the constituency. Honorable Tufosin currently is one of the best MPs in the central region. And so it is going to add on to his uh, ability to perform as the member of parliament of our constituency. We are so blessed. We are happy. We are only entreating organs, especially members of the National Democratic Congress, to be calm and to watch on this space to see whether or not Bad Forsen will perform or not. But we in the Jumakonesia, we really believe in Dr. Atuforsen and we know he's going to perform just like he did perform as the ranking member of the finance committee and as a deputy finance minister of Ghana. His performance can never be questioned. Only that people do not know him 
know him well. Those who do not know should just be patient and watch how he can catapult the country into victory in the 2024 elections with the support of all members of parliament and the party at large. Galahad Alex Andor is the communications officer for the NDC in the Ejumaku Inyani CM constituency of the central region. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Yeah, welcome back. Let's now do some other stories. Now, the Ministry of Finance says it is preparing an emergency expenditure management guideline to provide the government with administrative protocols in times of an emergency. This forms part of interventions being pursued by the Ministry following the release of the Auditor General's report on the government's COVID-19 expenditure between March 20 and June 2022. The report outlined infractions by some institutions and agencies such as the Ministry of Health, National Food Buffer Stock Company, as well as the Ministry of Information. While commending the publication of the special report, the Finance Ministry says it coordinated the mobilization and disbursement of funds for the COVID-19 responses by government in accordance with the Public Financial Management Act to ensure the timely release of funds. The Ministry in a statement issued by the Public Relations Unit also says steps are being taken to to address all issues contained in the report. Here are excerpts of that statement. The Ministry welcomes the Auditor General's report and wishes to assure the public that steps are being taken to address all issues. The following interventions are currently being pursued by the Ministry. Meetings are being organized to engage with the implementing agencies to evaluate actions taken to implement the audit recommendations in the audit report. Preparation of an emergency expenditure management guideline. This guideline will provide government with administrative protocols in times of emergency such as COVID-19 to ensure compliance with relevant PFM regulations whilst providing timely responses. The Ministry of Finance will continue to apply its best efforts to enforce and enhance expenditure management and accountability to ensure proper utilization of tax revenue to full benefit of citizens using established and budgetary and accountability systems in government. That was a statement from the Finance Ministry on the Auditor General's report on the government's COVID-19 expenditure read by Hansen Ajuman. In other news, the Electricity Company of Ghana, ECG, says it has fully resolved challenges encountered last week with its prepaid vending systems. Residents of Lower, Manya and Yilokoba municipalities of the eastern region and some parts of the Gwetakwa region last week lamented their inability to purchase power due to a system breakdown. Speaking to City News, the public relations officer of the ECG in the Tama region, Situa Mensa, says the customers can now purchase prepaid credits without any hindrance. 
we have an issue with our MMS um, system. One of the prepaid systems we use, we have different types of prepaid systems. So the MMS is one of them. And we have customers in the Kobo area in other parts of Accra, like Dodua, Romanich, Makola, um, Ablekuma, who are using this um, MMS. But admittedly, our customers in the Kobo area, like the Kobo area has the most um, dominant um, um, a number of customers on this particular system. So yes, we had a challenge with the system and um, it was on and off, but for the past um, days, it's been very, very stable. We were able to vend, we were able to sell. Um, our offices do not have any queues. We have normal um, work on atmosphere in, in, in all our offices in the proper area. So yes, it's been resolved. That was the public relations officer of the ECG in the Tema region, Situa Mensa. Now, the National Health Insurance Authority says calls for a review of tariffs for services and medicines by the private health facilities regulatory association will be considered and deliberated upon by the management of the NHIA. The Private Health Facilities Regulatory Association says the depreciation of the city coupled with recent economic challenges has caused the prices of drugs and non-drugs to skyrocket which is making it difficult to run their facilities despite a 30% increase in tariffs in July 2022. The NHIA has however called on private Health Facilities Regulatory Association to officially channel their concerns. The Ghana Commission for UNESCO has expressed worry over Texas slaps on sanitary pads. According to the Commission, the high cost of sanitary pads is accounting for low school turnout by female students. Currently, prices of sanitary pads range between 10 Ghana cities to 50. Ghana cities, which many school girls are unable to afford. According to reports, some girls fail to attend classes, while others resort to their male counterpart for support due to parental neglect. Marking International Education Day under the theme to invest in people, prioritize education, the commission entreated government to scrap the tax. The principal program officer, Moses Geme, spoke to City News. Now, if we look at the ratio of boys that are in the senior high school, it is equal to the ratio of girls that are in the senior high school. And, of course, the issue of uh, the, 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 the sanitary pad is a problem. There have been countless researches that actually show that many of the girls, in fact, around junior high school from the upper primary to the junior high school to senior high school, many of them shun classrooms simply because they cannot really afford um, a sanitary pad. So it should be a deliberate commitment by government to actually seek to remove the taxes. That makes the prices of these sanitary pads very, very expensive for our young girls out there because, truth be told, some of them cannot just afford it. it. And once they realize that they are in that cycle, they wouldn't go to school, and these, of course, are affecting them. So the only call or appeal we can make as the Ghana Commission for UNESCO is that government should at least remove the taxes that are on these sanitary parts so that our little ones can purchase them and actually go to school. That was the Principal Program Officer of the Ghana Commission for UNESCO, Moses Gami. Now, the Food and Drugs Authority, FDA, is warning nightclub operators and party organizers to desist from abusing the usage of nitrous oxide in balloons and canisters. According to the FDA in a statement signed by its chief executive officer, Delise Jaku, 
Nitrous oxide is a substance used as a propellant and a preservative in the food industry, as well as health facilities, which has serious health implications. The statement indicated that prolonged use of the substance can also have an effect, an effect on one's immune system, adding that it is collaborating with relevant stakeholder agencies to address the emerging concerns. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details. The Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry is lamenting the negative impact of a possible upward tariff adjustment on their businesses. This comes on the back of an early announcement by the Public Utility Regulation, PURC, to increase electricity and water tariffs by 30 and 8.3% respectively, Effective February 1, speaking in an interaction with the media after a meeting with leadership of the PURC, President of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Clement Osea Marco, explained that businesses are already bearing the brunt of the current economic hardship. Thus, any further rise in the cost of production will worsen their plight. We are not satisfied with the price, the, 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 the increment, and we think that government must do something about it, especially when the government have a policy that is going to allow industries to grow here. This is not a time that we should expect such price hike, and so the government must intervene. And for us as a chamber, we are not in agreement with them. Though they have done their bit, we we'll move ahead and meet whoever is in charge. If you have to meet the government and the various ministries, we will do that and make sure that the price come at an affordable rate where industries can produce and not to lay workers off to create a lot of panic into the system. But let's start something now to, to keep their businesses. What about if they are not able to sustain themselves into the first quarter? Where would you get them to increase the, to reduce their prices? Let's start now. Let them show fit that we are ready to help. Even if some percentage that has gone are not too significant, at least we know that they have listened to us. Then we look at the way forward to forge ahead in the interest of the country. Since government is the main stakeholder, with these utility companies. There's a way out that we can forge ahead and get it done. They will have to look at it. If it has to go back to Parliament for them to look at it, we'll do that. We'll lobby with the Parliamentary Select Committee and all those that matters to make sure that we'll not keep to the price. That was the president of the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry, Clement Osea Mwaku. Meanwhile, the executive secretary of the Public Utility Regulatory Commission, Dr. Ishmael Aka, explained that the impending tariff adjustment is structured to favor small and medium enterprises. So this adjustment, the decision has been made and it has been gazetted as a law. So for now, uh, nothing can be done on the part of PURC. However, there will be other quarterly adjustments. So we, what we are doing is to establish the protocols for engagement to see that we take. And let me also add that even before we engage the chamber, uh, PURC on its own had uh, made putting measures 
to protect industry. One of them was that we have been able to reverse the structure for the first time for SMEs to pay lower than those in the residential sector. When you look at the inflation figure we used, the national inflation is more than 50%. We use 42%. The exchange rate is more than 13 cities now. We use 105 And other measures we've put in, in place to ensure that uh, though industry will pay, they are protected you know, for them to still employ people uh, and contribute to national development. That was the Executive Secretary of the Public Utility Regulatory Commission, Dr. Ishmael Aka. Now, the Institute for Economic Affairs, IEA, says government stands to save as much as 24 billion cities annually if it cuts down on its expenditure. The IEA says considering the, car- the country's current debt and economic troubles, the government cannot continue with its overspending as it could plunge the economy deeper into chaos. The IEA is further advocating for a cut in government flagship programs to save costs. Dr. Don is the Director of Research at the Institute for Economic Affairs, IEA. For infrastructure, government has no earmarked over 2023 to 2026 10.2 to 14.7 billion on an annual basis, and the rows taking 5.3 to 8.8. So if we decide that uh, we suggest that let's scale it back by a third, you know, we can't afford it. We, we, we are in a, a crisis. Now, if you do that, you will save about 3.4 to 4.9 billion annually. Now, there's uh, goods and services, which is a line, you know, the government expenditure that includes the fuel allowances, utilities, travels, medicals, entertainment, conferences, stationery. They range between 8 billion to 18.3 billion. Now, we are proposing cutting it by just even a third. Everybody must contribute to it. It's a burden sharing kind of. You know, why do we should we have the same allowances, fewer allowances and travel and, and all that? You know, we should cut it down. Now the flagship programs, they account for a chunk of government expenditure. In fact, if you look at figures in the twenty twenty three budget, they indicate that the budget for the, the flagship programs is about nine point two billion in Uganda cities. Calls for a comprehensive bill of the program with review to rationalizing them and reducing costs have virtually gone unheeded. Dr. John Kwachi is Director of Research at the Institute of Economic Affairs. Now, a Deputy Minister of Trade and Industry, Herbert Kwapa, is calling for deeper collaboration between investment promotion agencies across Africa to attract more investment for the growth of the continent. He is also pushing for the agencies to focus on critical areas such as infrastructure to boost intra-Africa trade under the Africa Continental Free Trade Area. Herbert Kwapa made a call at the first annual assembly of African investment promotion agencies, which was under the theme, the role of IPAS in facilitating intra-African trade. Today, intra-African trade stands at something 15%, and that's me being generous with the decimal figures. ANCTAD estimates that the AFCFTA can boost intra-African trade by 33% and reduce the deficits that we have by some 51%. And that is significant. That's significant because it lifts millions of our people out of extreme poverty and attracting the investments. Attracting the investments is crucial 
if the AFCFTA would find meaning with its objects. And you, the uh, IPAs, are the ones who are going to be at the forefront of attracting investments. We will not be able to reap the dividend of AFCFTA and intra-African trade if we are not investing in infrastructure, if we are not investing in critical infrastructure and services. And that's why I'm excited that your role uh, in ensuring that we bring the dividends and the benefits of intra-African trade to the fore is being highlighted in this, in this um, um, annual assembly. The final one, um, which probably is easily the most important one for me, is the fact that you are working together. That was a Deputy Minister of Trade and Industry, Herbert Kwapa. Finally, as part of efforts to ensure specified entities improve their performance and effectiveness, the government is urging specified entities to comply with financial reporting requirements and issues particularly relating to audited management and financial accounts. According to the government, failure to honor reporting obligations is a violation of the public financial management Act. Chief of Staff Akusha Fremopari made the call when she received the 2021 Audit Infractions Joint Report by the Management of the State's Interest and Governance Authority, SIGA, in Accra. The government remains committed to finding lasting solutions to the problem of non-compliance with financial reporting requirements. As such, all SOEs are expected to mainstream appropriate implementation measures to carry out the recommendations detailed in this report. Thus, the government expects all SOEs to ensure the following. Prioritize the preparation of their respective management and audited accounts in a timely manner. To collaborate with SIGA and the Office of the Auditor General to urgently clear the backlog of unaudited accounts by the end of the year. To prepare management responses to audit queries and red flags raised by auditors. Keep an updated asset register and land title registrations at all times. I am confident that with effective collaboration and the implementation of these recommendations, we'll see the public sector assume its envisaged role as the bedrock of Ghana's economy, even surpassing the envisaged target of contributing 30% of the GDP of this country. That was the Chief of Staff, Akushia Fema Opari. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
It's 20 minutes to 1900 GMT. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. I am Umaru Sandama. Tonight on Point Blank, we are dealing with two issues. Agenda 111, the government's agenda, grand agenda to build 111 hospitals. What's the state of the hospitals? But before then, there was a deadly accident on the Volta Lake yesterday. As many as eight school children died. Kofi Jima is a DCE for Sene East in the Bono region where this accident occurred. Mr. Jima, you're welcome to CTFM. Yeah, good evening. Uh, um, honorable Kofi Jima, Sene East. Um, I want you DJ Kofi Jima. S- sorry, I didn't hear that. I said, uh, my phone is most of my Jerome Kofi Jima, so I always abbreviate DJ Kofi Jima, Sene East. Okay, great. So Kofi Jima is correct, which is what I said. Um, okay. Tell us about this accident on the lake in your district. Hi, thank you very much. I need to extend uh, my sad uh, grief to the people of Sene is the region and then the nation as a whole. That within a shorter possible time, this incident happened, which is an accident that happened on uh, that the Sunny River, uh, around Atiga Gome uh, and uh, Waiukupi, meaning that the children were crossing from Atiga Gome to Waiukupi for school. And what it is always, when they are back and anybody who comes around call system, but there are cases that they, they were stranded, there was nobody to cross them. So the man having came from uh, uh, this place, uh, Tristan decided that he would cross them. So when he picked them in the, uh, uh, in the canoe, there's a, there's a small outboard motor that they used to do those kind of service work. Well, we have the larger, uh, outboard motor and the small type. So this was a small type that he picked all the children in the number of about 20 children. So in the process, when they got to the middle of the water, one of them decided to fresh water. One of the students decided to fresh water. So in the process of freshing the water, the, the boat turned and then fresh water. So the students started shivering, and some of them fell into the water. So the man decided to uh, save their lives. So upon saving their lives, some of them could also swim, and then they held the one side of the canoe, that is the outboard motor, one side, and they tensed and they capsided. Then all of them were found in the water. So upon the struggle, uh, some people came to rescue the children, and the man who were, was paddling or riding the boat also tried much as he could. And uh, uh, eight of them unfortunately died, and then about 15 of them survived. Uh, what it means is that this man, he, he was having good intention to save the, the, the children for their future. Unfortunately, that couldn't materialize. But he was able, and the committee were able to save about 15 of them. Uh, oh, it, it's rather unfortunate that this thing happened. So uh, I want to put it on record 
that the reportage by Peace FM and his sister uh, stations that the children were riding the the, the adward motor themselves. That is not true. It's false. Uh, and then the, the 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 boat that was on the water uh, on social media indicating that it was a wretched boat is also true. It's a false. It's a false reportage. When you look at our water, the kind of uh, boat that was on the social media, our boat, you can't see somebody carrying cork. You can't see somebody carrying metal inside. The boat cannot be made metal. And then you can't see none of our boats that they kneel side by side and then use uh, 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 rules to tie it. And then in front, you can't see any of our boats that in front you see a metal on it. Then at that place too, when you take the picture, it captures only the boots. It's not closer to houses that you see houses there. And then when you look at the boots, the other boot that was on the river, that will clearly indicate that it's sea boot. It's not uh, our uh, river boot that we find them here. So it's clearly so that somebody deliberately brought a different distance to uh, showcase that it is a deliberate attempt that might have caused the death of the children. So that is a full reportage, and the peace FM should be bold enough to come back and retract that. Because they have not been fair to the people, they have not been fair to the district, they have not been fair to the people of Senate. Uh, so the truth is what I've told you. The man has a good intention. It was rather unfortunate that one of the students decided that she wanted to take water, drink water, and it happened. Um, we had had the opportunity to meet the man, meet the community, meet the students, and uh, after yesterday, we buried those who happened to die. And then this morning, too, we went there with the regional minister and his team. And we just came around uh, uh, 4.40. And the minister has then left home. So the, the community actually appreciates our commitment. And we have indicated that uh, because the community or the teachers or students always have to move from that community to a different community before they can access better education. Uh, the, 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 the assembly and the, the regional minister have made the point that having submitted lists of uh, qualified teachers who are passed through uh, UCC, UNIBA, and then the uh, Jackson College of Education, it's going to help us in the Ministry of Education. Well, I had submitted already those kind of teachers left through the regional minister to education minister requesting that those people should be employed. So what it means is that if these people are employed and they are there, we put them there. Then even if the government hasn't given approval for the creation of main schools, they could be named Wayokope Annex and then they will be there in that community teaching the children. So it means that the children will no longer cause again. Then too, when um, it is done and then the, the assembly comes in to uh, motivate the teachers. The teachers also stay. So assembly is also doing much as we could. But we are looking at if we can get philanthropists, uh, NGOs, uh, government agencies and departments who come to the aid of the assembly in putting up a better structure for the community mm. or that community district, some of this situation will be averted. Okay. So it is my prayer that you use your media to also appeal to philanthropists, NGOs, and the uh, uh, government institutions and agencies to come to our aid.
Sunday is a, is an open. District. Sunday is is a, a, a more or less a check district because it's a district that is cutted community, half cutted community, and then we are in use of the Sunday River and then the Akusunlo River. So we have a lot of island communities in Sunday district. We see a boundary with such a pamphlet, north and such a pamphlet, east, which has to uh, do with the Dija Forest. And then we see a boundary with uh, Krachi East, which is Dambai. We see a boundary, major boundary with uh, Krachi West, which is Krachi. We see a boundary with uh, East at the Krachi uh, Chungu. Uh, and then at the West North, we see a boundary with uh, Yeji, which is Pro East. Then we see a boundary with uh, Sunny West. Which is our mother district, or our sister district. So it tells you that we are in a situation that if people doesn't come to our aid, we find it difficult to avert some of these situations. So okay. it's a sad news. It's a sad event. The situation that we didn't want it to happen is that happened. Okay. And so Just a quick question. So you, 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 in, the, in the calculation, so you said 15 were rescued, 8 have died. So that would be like 23 uh, plus, yeah. the, plus the owner of the boat. What's the capacity yeah. of the boat? How many passengers is it supposed to carry? Uh, actually, I will not be able to mention the capacity. Well, much as I, I am there and I know the situations of the, uh, the boat, it shouldn't have carried this number of students. Uh-huh. He should have taken but less. The man, he should have taken less. But the man think that you know Ghanaians. Which means, which are, means then that even yeah. though the man was trying to be good, he has still been irresponsible, and uh, that is negligence, and he he should be held um, liable. Has he been arrested on this matter? No, we should be cautious of dealing with some of these situations. The issue is that. Uh, these students, is not one that this man had uh, ever uh, uh, picked them to the school. But it doesn't make and it right, Mr. D.C., does I'm, it? I'm, I'm coming, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. So it's not once. You are in Accra. Situations in Accra is different from Senegal. So if you No, situations man, in Accra, there are times... Let me come, let me come. Okay. Now, if you arrest the man, prosecute the man, you can do that. And... Then, then at the end of the day, uh, there's another area where we have situations, a lot of situations that we find ourselves in the desert, a lot of communities that the children move from a different uh, community to another community that they have to cross. It's not only these places. We have a lot of them. When we were moving with the regional minister, I uh, showed me some of the communities that they cross the river before they can get to that community. When it happens so, it means that it will be difficult for any other person to help the students when they are stranded, it's difficult for somebody to 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 actually show love when he has to do it. So we should be conscious of some of these things. Uh, these are the situations that we find. So, out so we should let we should it's let it happen, easy. even though it may lead to the loss of eight lives. Yeah, I don't think prosecution will be the interest of the district and the nation as a whole. I don't think so. So how do you teach the members of the district that this is wrong, to load up a boat over the capacity that it is designed to carry? That is why I mentioned that we are, as an assembly, we are... The last, last two months, we, uh, through the help of the Zoom Lion Israel, 
we've been able to distribute some of the uh, this, um, large jackets to some of the community. It wasn't enough. Uh, we had a discussion with the Zoom lawyer. We even have a discussion with the Zoom lawyer, uh, Zoe manager. And they also mentioned that they are going to look at it if they'll be able to procure some of the small, small life jackets so that we can uh, actually give it to those students so that any time that they are crossing over, they can wear them. But I think these are the things that we should also be looking at from your outfit. These are the things that we should be looking at you propagating that one so that we can get it for the community. Okay. And some of these things will be available. We will do the propagation, but I have a quick question for you. Consider this scenario. You are driving in your official, maybe, I don't, it's not V8 they give you. They give you the Nissan Patrol, I think. And it's raining heavily, and you come across a group of school children. They are about 11. It's raining. You want to rescue, help them. Would you give all of them a lift, considering that they would be more than the capacity for your car? When you ask me this question, these students, let's say that we have some communities that a student will have to walk about five, six kilometers. And then I had opportunities in picking them, knowing very well that it would be difficult for them to get a car. It would be difficult again to get any other means to that community. Why not? Why not? Even though you'll be breaking the rules of the, the, the motor traffic rules? I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad that serving the people to get to the classroom and learn and then uh, I have the opportunity to pick them. And because they will be overloaded, I will say that because they are overloaded, I wouldn't pick them. I don't think I can do that. So for you, for you, the end justifies the means? Yes. Even if the means is unlawful? Well, the thing is that how can I look on the children? Then they will be walking. Then as this chief executive, I'll pass by. And then how do you, how would the, the children, parents see me and they classify me into? Uh, the next time when I meet these children and they are going and I'm talking to them, how would they see me? What that means is that tomorrow if another canoe owner carries children overload as a DC and for that matter the district, you will not have any problem, even if it leads to the death of another group of 10. It really leads to uh, the death of another. I'm saying even if... That is, why, that is why I mentioned that we are looking at a situation that we will put up to avert it. So, okay, but for now, uh, can you one, of the, one of the situations that we are looking at is that we are going to liaise with philanthropic NGOs to be able to get life jackets for the children, to be able to get better classrooms for the communities, to be able to uh, put our teachers' bungalows so that it will motivate the teachers to stay in those communities to be able to teach them. These are the things that we are looking at. So we are not looking at uh, the negative aspect that will deter the, 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 the good ones who want to save our own people. Which means that you are saying to your canoe owners on the Volta Lake that it's okay to continue with this same practice tomorrow and into the future until you get a solution to your problem? What I mentioned is that the 
uh, what I mentioned is that I said that uh, the the canoe of creator, his intention was not to go and kill the children. These children were stranded, waiting for rescue, somebody to help them. So this man's intention happens to uh, uh, protect the image of the children. And later on, it happens to be negative. So you and I also have a responsibility in helping the children to be able to rise up into the level that they are looking for. Very well. So we are also looking at you as a media station to also uh, 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 give a crusade or a campaign that will lead to you uh, at least putting up uh, better infrastructure, getting a motivational lesson for teachers and nurses and that about. So this other thing I think you should be looking at instead of prosecution, prosecution, prosecution. We wish you all the best and we pray for your district. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you very much. That's the district chief executive for Sene East in the Bono region, Kofi Jima, speaking to us on the accident that took the lives of eight school children on the Volta Lake yesterday. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM, the segment we known we, we refer to as Point Blank. We also scheduled to do an interview with the Honorable Kwabna Minta Kando, who is a ranking member on the Health Committee of Parliament on Agenda 111. Unfortunately, time will not let us do that, but we can play for you a soundbite from an earlier um, conversation we had with him when he visited the proposed site for the construction of a hospital for Adesu in the Upper West Achim District of the Eastern Region. In fact, what you have, what you don't even know, and what you have not been told is that there are contractors who have been given money, yet documentations have not even been completed. And we'll get there. Documentations for the project, for the bidding, has not even been completed, yet we have committed this state's money to such contractors. And I'll show you their own documents. I'll let you read and take pictures of them, videos of them, that there are contractors who have started work, they have given them money, yet documentations which is the first thing that must be completed before a PESWA is paid to any contractor, has not been completed. And we are here justifying this? We cannot justify this. We cannot. The health of the people in the country is paramount. And, and, and all these things, I mean, to add insult I mean, uh, to injury, this has also swallowed some part of the COVID management. And so we need to show seriousness. If you treat things this way, why wouldn't the economy run down? You give more than, I mean, 10 to 20 million U.S. dollars to individuals without any work done. How would the economy survive? At least, if this money were kept at the Bank of Ghana, at least we would have said we have some kind of reserves or some money there. This money has been pumped out. Only God knows where these monies have gone. There are people who are of the contention that these monies have been paid to contractors and the same MPP gurus have gone back to take the money anyway. And so the contractors have no money to go to site. If indeed it is not true, they should come back to site. Because we believe that the contractors have been given the money and behind the doors, they've been taking the money away from them. That's the Honorable Kwamna Minta Kando, his MP for Jwabusu and ranking member on the Health Committee of Parliament. That will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sandamadu. Production by Bevelyn London, Sami Wiafi, Fred Tete Jabano, Zoe Abubeidu Ado. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. New media support from Edwin Kwakofi.
We'll return tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening and good night.